0: Heavenly Father, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's certainly a blessing to be able to gather, to, to be gathered together in this way. In thy name, we anticipate a special blessing from thee because in thy word we read the promise that says where two or three are gathered in thy name, that thou wilt be in the midst. And so we anticipate thee, Lord Jesus, here to teach us this afternoon. And we pray that thy word would go out unhindered in spite of the Weak one who stands here to proclaim it. Be with us now as we look together into thy word. Bless those that are dealing with perhaps special difficulties and burdens, whether it's a sickness or old age, whether it's loneliness or depression, and uh, even those that are persecuted still at this time for thy name's sake throughout this world. May thy word go forth in power and in truth until thou wilt return. We pray these things now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> it's interesting to see how the Lord works. Um, there was a chapter that was on my mind and uh, I believe that brother Eric Janka, who was here this morning for the service, uh, provided a perfect setup for, for that uh, by the word he gave us this morning. So if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 21. We're going to read a portion of that chapter together. John chapter 21. I'd like to start reading with the fourth verse. (coughs) Hmm. John chapter 21 beginning with verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple, whom Jesus loved, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, that's about 100 yards, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up, and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred, and fifty, and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, And walkst whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, Thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, And another shall gird thee, And carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. I've read until verse 19. This morning, we heard about the special place that God designed for us, a special time of the week, a day of rest and a place to go on that day of rest. See, the rest from our work was to refresh us physically, but God knows that we're more than just the physical. He knows that there is more to our being than simply the atoms and molecules that make us up. There's another part of man that needs to be ministered to, and that's the spiritual side. Modern science acknowledges this as well. We have the fields of psychology and, and, uh, and counseling to minister to that part that can't be seen under a microscope. There is another part of us that needs to be ministered to, and that is the spirit of man, the spirit of women, that part of us that makes us us. So God designed it that there would be one day in seven where we would be able to stop our physical work and we would be able to take a break physically, but that in that time of, of physical refreshing, that there would also be a time of spiritual refreshing too. And so he instituted worship, and as we follow that thread from the first book through to the last, we see how the Lord has also uh, Revealed a plan that there would be an assembly of believers. That's the church. That's what church means, assembly. That would gather together for this special kind of refreshment. Perhaps this time of COVID has been largely allowed for Christ's church to reflect. I think that's maybe one of the purposes here. At least it's been for me. We have been allowed this time, absent from this building, that we would reflect a little bit more on what the church means, what actually draws us together, what our focus is when we're here, and what our mindset is when we're apart. That's very useful. In fact, I would say it's critical to getting everything right. I think the church visible, the Christian church throughout the world, puts way too much stock in their judicial relationship with Jesus Christ. They put way too much importance on a day, on a time, when they were dipped in water, or had some kind of an experience. And that's now in the rearview mirror and they go about living their life. In the words of one evangelist who was speaking to people in the southern US, he said he was talking to a man about his salvation, and he says, "Oh, preacher, don't worry about that. I did done that." And I think unfortunately, we can easily fall into that trap of thinking that's something that I've taken care of and we don't realize that we're in fact running on fumes you will not be able to point to a judicial position with Jesus Christ as your sole reason why he should accept you on the other side of the grave. He must be your Lord here, now. And that relationship must define every other relationship. Anything less than that is not taking up the cross. Jesus spoke hard words. He was a gentle man, the gentlest man that ever lived, the meekest man that ever lived, the one who children ran up to. The one who even the prostitutes felt close enough to approach. The one who could give hope even to a dying, condemned criminal hanging on a cross. He was the gentlest man ever. But he also said, whosoever does not hate father, mother, wife, children, anything else, any other relationship, is not worthy of me. Now we know he didn't mean that we should literally hate our blood relationships. But that relationship with him was a singularity, was a, a, uh, a relationship that defined every other relationship. And when we allow other things to get in, 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 in the way of that, we're not worthy of him. So to simply point back to a baptism day or to an experience is insufficient the only thing that has any weight is a living relationship with Jesus Christ that's it that's what it means to be his sheep to follow him as the shepherd I was struck by Jesus' words here we read the account I'm not going to Take any time to expound on what happened with the fishes. I think that's pretty clear, even in the uh, as one preacher said, the sleepy Elizabethan English. I think it's pretty clear what happened there. But I want to focus on the words that Jesus spoke to that special disciple of his, Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? He says that to everyone gathered here this morning this afternoon. Put in your own name. Philip, do you love me? Now, it's interesting to see what happened next. This is, this is one of the things that never grows old for me. When I read Jesus says something, and, and if I put myself in, the, in the, the sandals of the man listening here, I wouldn't have expected his second response. feed my sheep what you're asking me about my relationship with you where do other people enter into this jesus knew the special place he had for peter peter was going to be a, a critical personality in the development of the early church the lord was going to use him in a mighty way he would need to be selfless He would even need to die for the Lord, as we read here. That was coming too. But he knew that Peter would not be able to feed those sheep of the Lord unless he loved Christ. And there I see a foundational principle, a truth that is important for every single believer. You will not be able to do what the Lord wants you to do absent the love of Christ, absent loving him. If you are not loving him, what he will ask of you will seem a weight, a drudgery, an inconvenience. Actually, dangerous. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hath labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, Because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Whoa. We thought we were doing everything right, Lord. We had all the right actions all the right doctrine. We were zealous for your name. And Jesus says that's not enough. At the core of it, at the center of it, there must be love. So how can we think about this? Think about it like this. I'm a married man. I have a relationship with my wife. There are things that I do because I'm married to her. I provide for her and my children. I protect her. I make sure that there's a roof over the heads of my family. I, I don't abuse her. I allow her certain freedoms she has input into how the children are raised I don't chase other women I guard that marriage relationship isn't that enough I can argue that you can do all of those things that I've mentioned and still not love the one you're married to. And eventually, those things will be both a weight and a burden to you that you won't be able to carry, or you will only carry with an extreme resentment. It is because I love her that I do those things. Those things flew out of that. In fact, I find pleasure in doing those same things because of the love that I have for her that is an imperfect picture but I hope it's one that gives us pause why because as human beings we tend to look for the easy way out we want to know the minimum exactly how much attention do I have to show my wife to tell her that I or to show that I love her Or exactly how truthful do I have to be with my wife and still convince her that I love her? Or make up your own line to fit in there. The Christian life has never been one of rules. It's been one of relationship. It's precisely because the relationship with Jesus Christ is at the core that we do everything that we do. anything else and it becomes drudgery it will become a weight so when everything else is stripped away and you're left only with that relationship and Jesus asks you do you love me how will you answer will you point to attendance will you point to observance of certain rituals Not good enough. Not good enough. The last time I preached from this pulpit, I mentioned that back of everything, there's not a a principle but a personality. There's not a set of mathematical laws that caused everything to exist the way it is, but rather there's a personality behind all that. And that's exactly what I'm coming at, but now from the other end, that if I look back through everything, what I do How I'm motivated. It needs to be because of that personality that is behind everything. That word of God that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who loved me first while I was yet his enemy. Where then is room for running after the things of the world or living like everyone else? Shouldn't that relationship now define not just what we do, but what we think, how we even approach things? That is the key. That is the key. That is something the church, I think, needs to rediscover. I think we've depended too much on our, I'm going to call it the judicial relationship we have with Christ, that I have been redeemed. We point back, it would be like in a marriage, pointing back to our wedding day and maybe showing photos and saying, look, look, I'm married. Here, here's proof. Here's my certificate. With our names on there and the date and the official that presided over it. You see? Proof. Yes, but that tells you nothing about love. And so I think for all of us, we need to think not just about what happens on the day of rest, not just about what happened to us in the past, but today, Jesus is asking, do you love me? Do you love me? That's a searching question because he has things for each of us to do and he knows that if we are not motivated to do those things by a living love relationship with him for what he did for us, nothing else will move us. It will become an empty shell. The church will just become a building. The hymns will just be songs. The order of service will just be ritual. We were reminded on Wednesday night through the testimony that we heard. What happens when those things are stripped away from you? The pain that it will bring. But we were also told that there was a firm conviction that the Lord was with us through it all. Not just with us, but feeling our pain. Dear ones, I don't know about you, But my mind short-circuits at that one. That the God of the universe can feel my pain in a real way? How does that even begin to work? I can't explain that to you theologically. I just know it comforts my heart when I think about that. And I love him more for it, because I know he knows what I'm feeling, what I'm going through, the difficulties that I face. And I can stare out across the shallow ditch that is death, and see the one who loves me standing on the other side. And I can look forward to the day that I will join him in courts of glory. May the Lord add what was lacking.